0: You're listening to the Sixers beat with your host Derek Bodner right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.com.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner. I'm joined by Rich Hoffman in what is our second Sixers beat in four days? Five days? I don't I don't know. I can't do math. That's why I'm a writer.
0: Uh welcome Rich. How you doing? I'm good, man. There I mean there was some breaking news last night. We we did not expect such a lively night down at the arena. No,
1: it was it was funny. I was writing my column on Fultz's return and I'm like you know, we we just went into the pregame press conference thinking this is a normal game for a team in a playoff hunt chasing fifty wins. And I kind of stopped myself right there, and it's like there's absolutely nothing normal about what I just said. Not for this team, for the city, and for this fan base. But when you throw in the mix that Markel Fultz making his not his season debut because he played four games in what seems like an eternity ago back in October, um, but making his return to the lineup when nobody had any real inkling that this was on the table. I mean, you had a sense talking to Brett Brown that you know they were they were really ready to play him. He's he's been saying that. You know, for a week or two now, and after after he says it so many times, you get the sense that he he actually means it. Uh, like if if Fultz came up to him and he said he's ready to play, that they would actually play him. Uh, but there was no indication that this was was actually around the corner, that this was happening Monday night. You know, I guess looking back on it, given how much of this was driven by Fultz's confidence and his own evaluation of his own readiness, uh, there was always this chance that it was going to be this last minute. Oh, by the way, Markel's playing tonight uh, situation. Uh, but I didn't I didn't I didn't expect for it to come. I mean. Geez, Brown didn't—he didn't bring it up until like seven minutes into his, his pregame press conference. Yeah, uh, you almost—you um, almost don't even think to ask anymore about it uh, because you almost expect that if it was going to happen, you would get a press release about it or a printout, which for some reason they'd love to do of the injury report. Injury report, and he wouldn't be on it. Here, a media member asked Brett. He's like, "Hey, Ben learned so much sitting out that year. Could Markell essentially do the same thing?" And Brett's like, oh, by the way, let me tell you something about that L. Fultz. He's playing through. it was it was quite a stunning press conference. I remember, you know, the room getting quiet and a couple of nervous laughters, and you almost couldn't you almost couldn't believe it. It was it was quite an, an amazing
0: development for sure. Yeah, I went back and rewatched it. It I mean, I went completely silent, but w- when you ran the video back, there was a decent amount of laughter. Right. Because it was just such a preposterous thing to say in the middle of a frankly boring pregame media session. And then, Brett, he drops the freaking hammer. I'll tell you something about Markel Fultz. That guy's playing the night. And uh, I I put this out on Twitter, but as the grizzled vets of the Sixers beat that we are, (laughs) I remembered a precedent for this that really isn't a precedent at all the the sixers were playing out the string toward a lot of lottery balls a few years ago, and Brett announces that Jason Richardson would play out of the blue after missing i don't know three years ten years I forget how long that was this one was a little bit different and I mean it, it was it was a crazy night i mean it, it was hilarious in the beginning that everyone in the building was thinking the same thing. For the first time all season, you have this, this starting lineup that's just rolling people the entire year. And everyone in the crowd, everyone in the press is thinking, let's just get to the bench
1: <laughs> Rich, we sat there going, God, Brett, will you just sub out Ben Simmons? What's going on here? It was it was amazing because, of course, uh, you know, Markel Fultz, Brown said before the game, he was like, we're going to try to keep him locked in as Ben Simmons backup at the point guard spot. We're going to give him the ball and and really keep him on ball like that, at least for now, at least for the time being, until we see how he reacts and, and where we go from there. So you're sitting there, you know Markell's not going to be, you know, he's not going to come in for J.J. Redick off the ball. He's not going to come in alongside Ben Simmons. So you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I know this starting lineup is rolling people, and I know how this team can struggle without Ben Simmons on the court, but God, could you just take him off for a minute? Like, I know this guy can run all day, and that's something Brett... Said in a pregame press conference, he's like, it's amazing how Ben doesn't get tired. He goes seven, eight, nine minutes into the game, every other starter has been subbed out, and it's like, Brett, can you just get on with it? Come on. Come on.
0: Yeah, and then and then he finally comes in, and it was an incredible crowd last night. It was it was something. I mean, the building was jumping anyway because in the second half. I mean, Embiid and Simmons and Sarich were just out of their minds how good they were and how how much fun they were to Embiid on the defensive end and those other two guys pushing the ball in transition.
1: Which is is a pretty regular occurrence now, Rich. Just you, you got to remember this is a second half team as we've said all year.
0: Yep. And I mean, they're rolling people and and the building has been fun uh for a I mean, the whole year, but but it's really picked up the last, you know, couple the last month or so. As the Sixers continue just to be unable to lose at the Farg uh, in 2018, but the the Markel thing, the crowd, you know, Philadelphia, and you wrote about this today in your uh, piece on the Athletic. Philly has the reputation of a tough town where the fans are very demanding and they don't want to hear any excuses. And all that stuff. Last night, that was, uh, can I say, that was probably the most empathetic crowd I have ever seen, maybe in sports. They were physically trying to lift this kid's spirits up. And I thought they did a really good job uh, of of doing that. And, you know, this has been such an unprecedented situation in so many ways. And, And you know, I, I thought overall last night, we'll get to his play in a minute, it was an unqualified success. Considering those difficult circumstances and how hard the first game back was going to be for this kid, for Markell to finish with a nice stat line and knock down a couple of uh, hezy pull-up jimbos, I know those were in garbage time, but still, in a blowout win in front of a raucous crowd, that's probably about as good as the Sixers could have hoped for. It really was.
1: And I think we have to start off with the crowd. Because that, to me, for as much as that, – that's not true. There's so many major takeaways for this. But I was blown away by the – I mean, this is, a, this is a town that has lived off of a reputation. Deserve it or not. And I, as a lifelong Philadelphia resident, I would very strongly argue that it's not deserved. But this is a town with a reputation of eating its athletes alive of not being supportive, of uh, of throwing batteries and booing Santa, which is ridiculous. <laughs> it happened 60 fucking years ago, but it, it, it's the reputation this town has. And there's been a lot of frustration with Markell, with Markell's situation. I'll say it that way. And a lot of people who don't understand why a player who was cleared medically uh, in terms of the structure of his shoulder from the jump, in terms of being cleared for basketball activities – you know, we're talking now three months ago. There's been a lot of frustration that he hasn't been on the court. So when you hear the news that he is going to play, one of the things I first thought of was, well, how is, well, how, is, how are the fans going to react to this? How are the fans going to react if he comes out and he airballs his first shot? Which, oh, by the way, he airballed his first shot. And for the crowd to react the way they did with universal applause, uh, I think he had like a two to three minute standing ovation when he first checked into the game. He came in and received the inbound pass, which is maybe the most basic thing you could ever do in this sport. And he got another ovation. He turned the ball over.
0: He got applause. Dude, I was out there for pregame warm-ups. His first shot was just a basic layup that you would see any (laughs) high school kid take where he just laid the ball in. The the whole arena was clapping for him. It was absolutely insane. And you
1: got to the end. You had the We Want Fultz chant. Final three minutes of the game of a 20-point game. The game was over. You know, full arena where you want Fultz sh- chant. Um, slipped with Fultz because of the next chant that's coming up. Then you had a full arena Fultz variation of the Skull chant, which I've seen the tr- sh- fans try to do in the Wells Fargo Center a number of times now this year. It's been pretty popular over the last month after that, that little thing of the Super Bowl. I've never seen it catch on the way it is. They've, tr- they've done a bunch of Fultz variants of it, and you'd see like a 100 people do it, and they'd try to get it going, and it just wouldn't work. And this was a full arena. You know, if there's 20,000 people in the arena, there's probably 16,000 of them doing the skull chant. And to see them all do that for a kid who has missed most of the season under, under uncertain circumstances. To see all of them do that and get behind him, it was really good to see. And there's, you know, a lot that we can talk about, including part of us where we have to do our job, and we'll get to that later. But this is a kid who clearly went through a lot. And you could see in Brett Brown, this wasn't, Brett was, was on the verge – his voice was cracking in the pregame press conference. You could see that this wasn't a guardian yep. variety shoulder injury. Like he, This meant something to him. And for the entire arena to support him the way that they did, something that I don't think a lot of the national media would have expected Philip for fans to do, something I don't think is getting a whole lot of attention today in, in terms of the coverage of it, which if it would have gone the other way, you, you, you damn well know it would have, and something that I really give the Sixers fans a lot of credit for. I really do.
0: Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see what the, the reaction is moving forward. I mean, because now let's let's get into the play a little bit. Um, we, we talked about how last night was certainly a success, and I think a lot of that was from the emotional aspects of everything, the the mental aspects for Fultz. None of that is to say that what we saw last night was the Markel Fultz from Washington.
1: No, no. We did I- not. If anybody expected that by the way you were you you were your expectations were wildly out of place. Wildly. Even if he hadn't gone through what he did in terms of relearning his shooting motion. There was no chance at the layoff you had, a 5-month layoff, you were going to get the Washington version of Mark Fultz. It's just not it's not realistic for a kid basically making his NBA debut. I know he played earlier in the season, a lot of that was alongside Ben Simmons in an off-ball role where he was just kind of fitting in. This is the First time he was really given the ball and told, "This is your team," while you're on the court, you were not getting that version of Marco Fultz. It was just, it was impossible.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I saw a few "he's back" takes today. No, he's not. which, uh, I mean, let, let's—we we have to be honest here. I mean, there was the the stat line that he was the first player to get ten, eight, and four in under 14 minutes since Danny Ainge, which is hilarious. And another piece of evidence that you can manipulate sports statistics in any way possible.
1: It is it is perfect that it's Danny Ainge, though. It's perfect.
0: It's perfect. That's that's unbelievable. I mean, if you if we're being honest, like if you look at his assists, and this is more of a problem of how we credit assists nowadays uh five of those felt like they were on contested jumpers by Covington and Ilyasova. I mean look he did make a really there was a nice I think he had both of
1: Covington's four-point plays didn't he
0: yeah which was Uh,
1: which tied a record I believe I'm not 100% sure but I believe that tied the record for most four-point plays in a in a game
0: by by the way less uh less chatter about uh Covington yeah, yeah, the, 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 weeks, the you know?
1: Covington and the Brett Brown takes have kind of normalized back to what they should be, which is which is nice.
0: So, yeah, it's funny how that happens. They, uh, yeah, I, I thought Fultz made a really sweet behind the back pass to Embiid too. But, I mean, come on. I, it, it, you look at his line. It, I don't think that's indicative of how he played. He got blocked three times and airballed another shot. His jumper did look better. Than, than both what we saw in games back in October. I mean, those shots at the end, look, they were in garbage time, but he flat out could not do those in, in October, and he, he especially could not do those, those in January. January. Yeah, yep. I mean, you know, we, what we saw in those uh, those videos that we dissected, he wasn't even close to those, so that is really positive that was my big takeaway he is making progress but it's also not what we saw at washington i mean colangelo even said that he's not back at at 100% which uh which was both honest and it, it makes this whole thing fascinating because i mean look i i'm willing to watch a lot more and i and i'm really curious to see him play through this but this is pretty unprecedented that we're getting a guy who i i don't know what percentile you want to put on it is not operating with all of his tools. But there's a reason why the Sixers are bringing him back, and there could be some value in terms of confidence. And that, of course, dates back to the, the biggest variable in all of this, what, what's between Markell's ears. Him getting back on the court, that could legitimately give him some momentum going into next season. So while I think we could be looking at a guy who's missing a major aspect of his game, Uh, There could be legit long-term value for this kid in finishing out the season and and just being a normal part of the team. He won't hear as many questions about his offseason. There won't be sort of the mysterious cloud over everything he does. He won't have to uh, fear his return to the court. That is now behind him. And maybe he can just go into the gym, put his head down, and grind away and get that jumper back. But it's just it's just an interesting thing because he I'm not sure he can shoot a three at this point. Right.
1: I'm not sure either. Um. I mean we've seen him take some threes in warmups. I'm not sure I see him doing that under game speed right now. I'm not sure right now it matters, and I don't I don't mean that in terms of his effectiveness, but I mean in terms of whether or not they should have brought him back. Like if he can make 15, 17, 18 foot shots. And he's comfortable taking those then I it, that to me is enough to bring him back. I am surprised a little bit that they were so willing to bring him back uh this late in the in the process like I basically my take in the last few weeks was look I think the the progress he's making is real. I think it's encouraging. I think it's what you hope to see, but I just wish there was another month left in the season where they could iron out out some of these wrinkles and fix some of these bugs that are are, are bound to exist, and I think they're still like I'm with you in that he wasn't as great as the stat line suggested last night. Like, I think some of the, the assists, like you said, were, um, were tough shots that, that people make that they won't always make. I, I do think there were some blown opportunities. Like, he hit, um, I think it was Amir coming across the lane on a post up, um, you know, where he got a screen, started across the lane, got post position, and he hit him on some good shots. There were some good t- timing passes that he made that I was not expecting for somebody who's missed this much time. So, I, you know, I think. He performed, like we said, better than you could have hoped, better than um, I think any of us expected. And I think that's great. Him making that jump shot in-game, those two jump shots in-game action towards the end, one off that, that pull-up jump shot was fantastic to see. I mean, it is something where that has been such a question mark. And like you said, just two months ago, in January, it would have been almost unfathomable with how far away he was. And Colangelo even said in his press conference, you know, there was a lot of time where he wasn't making a whole lot of progress, and then lately he's made a, a bunch. And we saw that a little bit in game action, but you, I mean, it, it really was, or not in game action, in practices. And you could see some of that that, that in the game last night. And that, that that's great. I mean, it, it's, it's, get him in there. And I've been pretty firm in that I didn't think he was going to come back. And part of that was, you know, the team and where they were in their quest for a playoff spot. And part of that was that we just didn't see the the progress in Markel in January and early February. The fact that he has made enough where he you can put him out there and you don't have to worry, not that you don't have to worry about his confidence because that's been such a huge part of this whole process back. And I think it's going to be real interesting. You know, I think Denver last night, they had no idea he was going to be in that that game
0: they had no, they were no playing up on him like, yeah
1: they had no reason to think he would be in that game, so he wasn't in the scouting report uh the right, they, they rep- also
0: suck defensively too they so. they do
1: suck defensively that's true the numbers bear that out um you know they're a team with bad perimeter defenders and and, and no front court defense to make up for that and that, that's kind of the, the team you would want to bring Markell back, especially yep. when they't they're not there preparing for him It'll be interesting when they play not that they have many great defensive teams left on their schedule, but even just teams that have a scouting report on him. But if he's at the point where he's willing to let those 17-foot jumpers off the dribble fly, then I do—I uh, have no problems at all pl- him playing. I think for his psyche, it's great to get him back out there and what he's been working towards this entire season. It's good to see some reward for that, and especially in, in, in a case like this where the confidence and the mental aspect of it is so pronounced and is such a big part of it. For him to get that reward, I do think is I do think is worth it. Maybe that's a little bit of an about face on previous stances that I had. And again, a lot of that was just because the progress in January and early February was just not there. But if what we saw last night—forget forget making it—because I agree, some of those shots, um, you know, there's still a lot, lot, lot before he's Markel or Washington Markel Fultz. But just the fact that he's taking it, it's it's such a it's such a great sign. It really is.
0: Yep, like Sam Hinkie said, progress is not always linear and <laughs> Fits and starts. Yeah, it's uh, and I agree. I, you know, as much as I want to pick apart his game, him just having the confidence to hit Plumley with that hang dribble and pull up and take that shot. Form didn't look perfect, but to, but to do that a couple of times, that could do wonders for a psyche. And again, I have no idea what they expect from this guy moving None. forward. Nope. So, you know, we're all we're all kind of going by the seat of our pants here, but uh, but last night was, I mean, it was certainly uh, an interesting night. And I I will say that the city of Philadelphia, uh, his his teammates.
1: (laughs) Hold on, I got I got to interrupt you. Seamus just retweeted a tweet from the Sixers account uh, from October 2014. Check the starting five: Casper Ware, Elliot Williams. No, no, Elliot Williams, Hollis Thompson, Brandon Davies, Henry Sims. Whew, that come a long way in three and a half years. Fits and starts, buddy. Fits and starts. Whew. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, but just just everybody from his his teammates, especially, I mean, the, the guys who are the core members. You know, Embiid, Simmons, Covington, Redick. All of these guys have just tried to lift this guy's spirits, and they're You know, from from the fan base to the organization to Brett, uh, everybody is trying to get this kid back on track, and it's it's something I've never honestly seen before. No, it. So you know, we'll see. I like look. I I wrote this at the end of my recap the other night. They're playing the Knicks on Wednesday, and that's fine. They're probably going to win by thirty because that's what they're doing, and the Knicks stink. But Markel Fultz is going to play some more NBA basketball on Wednesday night. And that's what I'm looking forward to.
1: Well, if you want to talk playing against the Knicks is NBA basketball, yes, I agree.
0: Um, <laughs> he's playing he's playing half NBA he's playing as on an NBA team against the uh, the Westchester Knicks
1: <laughs> right, essentially, right. Yeah. Which is funny cuz I I swear every podcast every podcast group that was doing a, a preview of playing the Sixers over the last 4 years probably said that exact same line and it's a little bit surreal to be on the other end of that comment. But uh, here we are with a team that should Already win clinched, 50
0: games, they, by the way.
1: They really should.
0: I mean, should's probably a strong word, but 538 now projects them to win 50 games.
1: It's absurd. So. And the fact that they blew through these Wolves and Nuggets teams, two <laughs> of the four remaining teams that are semi-competent on the schedule, really uh, really makes that a much stronger possibility. We'll get to that in a second.
0: Zach Lowe called the rest of the schedule Angel Food Cook, <laughs> uh, which I thought, <laughs> while kind of a weird random dessert to bring up, was pretty fitting.
1: It is a fitting analogy, and the schedule's perfect for Markel. Brett kind of threw out the 34 minutes for Simmons, 14 for Fultz. um, You know, basically kind of a a, a timeline, not a timeline, but a a, a blueprint for what you could see the rest of the season, or at least for the immediate future. With teams like the Knicks coming up, that could reach 20 minutes and playing against semi-NBA competition. It will be great to see him. It will be great for him to get that experience, and it'll be great to evaluate and see whether or not you can – You can put him on a a, a bigger role going forward. I would right now be kind of surprised whether or not they put him on the court with Simmons. Like, I think they really want to put the ball in his hands, let him create off the dribble, let him use that pick and roll, and let him shoot off the dribble, too. And and I thought Kyle, before the game, asked uh, Brian Colangelo a a pretty good question. Like, look, we haven't really seen him do any catch-and-shoot shots. This was clearly something he was working on in the summer as he he was trying to transition to... A an off ball role alongside Ben Simmons. I mean, at one point they started him in the, I, I forget who they started him next to, but some bullshit summer league point guard they started next to Fultz in the in a summer league so he could get reps playing off the ball. And now it seems like they've kind of walked that back and said, look, you've been doing this, you know, on ball, off the dribble, pull up jumper thing your whole life. It's what you it's what you were great at. It's what made you such an elite prospect. Let's simplify the game down. Let's put you right back in in your comfort zone. As you're trying to get through back this relearn shooting mechanics and this, this, these confidence struggles, I think that's probably the right call. I'm not sure we'll see him play next to Ben Simmons at all. I know a lot of fans probably want to see him do that, but I think right now they just want to keep him at home.
0: How dare you insult Casper Ware like that? Was that Casper Ware? Oh, no, I don't it wasn't. Know. Yeah, I don't it wasn't. It was. it was somebody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So oh, I think it was Larry Drew, actually.
1: That That sounds vaguely right. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't, that was a long that was a lifetime ago, man. We didn't even have a job at that point.
0: No, I did. You did.
1: Oh, uh, I did. I my own. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, was actually <laughs> went out there for the sole reason of finalizing. Pointless. Moving on.
0: All right. Moving on to uh to after the game, Marquel. Yeah. First time that we have been able to talk to him in five months. There yeah. was a uh little interview with Karan uh, Butler in there that was weird, but we certainly – I mean, I think I said something to him. We, we were joking around with one of the PR people, but uh, you can't ask him a formal question. Um, and uh, there was an incident when a, a couple of reporters asked Markel, w- what happened with your shoulder? Can you give us your side of that story? And Fultz, who was clearly coached up before this, not only deflected, not only said, you know, I, I don't feel like talking about this right now. You know, I was going through some stuff, but now I'm just happy to be on the court with my teammates. No, he gave those questions the silent treatment, and uh, the the media criticism and the the whole conversation that's sort of been uh, going on Twitter, and I, I've seen some on the radio and. Even some national platforms over the past, you know, twenty hours or so has been fascinating to me. And and you know, we'll go on for a, a little bit, but I, I can sort of understand both sides for for Markel, who's obviously going through uh something unprecedented and he uh he definitely doesn't feel comfortable opening up about it. I, I understand not not taking those questions. But, like, those questions were totally fair. Uh, They weren't about his personal life off the floor. He was not able to do his job for five months. And it's hard to pretend like that didn't happen when there was so much conflicting and vague information thrown out there. This kid was MIA for five months. And uh, I imagine he'll be asked more about it in the future if he plays. I mean, he's going to have to face questions from the media. I, You know, it's – it's an interesting thing. I think Kyle put out a poll where he asked fans if they wanted Mark to be asked about what was going on. And I got to say, I was kind of shocked by the results. It was around 60 40 no when I last checked. And, uh, I mean, that's not something I agree about, but I would imagine, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard for me to, uh, To digest that, because I thought fans would want to know everything about this, even just just asking him the question. But this seems to be an extraordinary case here.
1: Yeah. Okay. so there's a lot to unpack here uh, and it could take some time. So before we do that, let's take a quick word from our sponsor, which is fitting because it's related to packaging. Do you hate wasting time? Do you know that you can do just about anything online, on demand and when it's convenient for you? Why then do we insist on getting in our car and driving the ship out packages? There's a better way. With Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk, 24-7 and when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter and any package using your own computer and printer. And have the mail carrier pick it up for you. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. It couldn't be easier. If you're my age, you probably have a lot of friends and relatives getting married and you may be lucky enough to be convinced to help organize such an event, a huge undertaking. Having gone through this recently myself, Stamps.com was an absolute lifesaver in sending out invitations and save-the-dates, helping me save precious time in what could have been an otherwise stressful event. I've also found it extremely useful for the podcast, mailing giveaways and promotions, and even in my own personal life. So we've set up a tremendous offer for the listeners of this podcast, a package which includes up to $55 in free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. To claim this special offer, use promo code BEAT right now. Go to Stamps.com before doing anything else. And I mean anything. Hit the pause button. Go do it right now. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BEAT. Again, that's Stamps.com. Enter promo code BEAT. All right, back uh, back to the coverage of Mark Foltz. One of the things that I guess I'll start off with is, you know, there were a lot of people who thought we were out of line asking about his shoulder injury. And neither of you or I asked the question. We, we just kind of relayed what happened. But there's no part of me that thinks the people who did ask the questions were wrong or out of line. And if those questions weren't asked, I, I would have had no problem bringing it up, too, because I think they're legitimate questions worth asking. And I think a lot of people take the stance of, well, you know, don't you care? Don't you have any empathy for the kid? Sure. <laughs> a lot of empathy. And here, here, here's kind of the thing. I think there's this misnomer about reporters that they don't – they're not – since you're always trying to be unbiased, that there's an emotional detachment to what you're doing. And I can sit there and I can watch what's happening in that building. I can see how, how broken up Brett Brown is about it. I can see the support the fans are giving and see what kind of magical moment that is. I can tweet out – you know, it was, it was kind of interesting for me because I tweeted maybe a dozen things positive about the game last night, about Mark Hell's return, about, like I said, Brett Brown's reaction, how the fans supported him, how he played. Like, it was just a string of positive feel-good things. I started writing, or at least writing an outline of my column this morning, which was almost entirely positive about the return of Markell Fultz, and then you relay one tweet about him not answering questions about the shoulder, and all of a sudden you're a blood-sucking vampire who only wants to tear people down and cause controversy to build up your name. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny, watching, like, clicking on a lot of those people, almost none of them followed you. And it's like they had that reaction just based off of one tweet without any of the context of any of your other tweets or thoughts or opinions or the column you're writing or or any of that stuff. And it's, it's interesting how quick people are to flip on this core issue. Because for five yeah. months, Rich, we were told on a daily basis from many fans,
0: what's, why, going, on? what's
1: going on with Markel? Why aren't
0: you finding out? Why aren't you you asking more questions? What are you going to do when
1: you talk to Colangelo? Why aren't you asking Fultz about it? What are you going to ask Fultz about it when he's available to you? Like, why is this unprecedented situation that's costing the number one pick in the draft that they gave up two draft picks for, why is it essentially costing him his rookie season? Fultz hasn't been available to us at any point since this injury occurred. The last time we talked to him, they had not yet acknowledged this injury existed. So there's been so much speculation, so much controversy, clouded in such mystery, so much conflicting reports that you finally get a chance to talk to Markell and give him the chance to set the record straight from his own account. Asking him, hey, did you, was there something specific that happened to your shoulder or was it something gradual over time? Asking him that after he just missed five months and just returned from that injury is not out of bounds there's no part of me that believes that's out of bounds there's no part of me that believes that's picking on the kid we have a job to do and a lot of times that doesn't mean we have to ask only the easy questions that doesn't mean we have to cover only the positive stories. if you let emotions and emotions are kind of something that's unavoidable like you it's it's almost impossible for reporters to be around players like this and not feel any emotions have any opinions about who they are, about how they're acting, all that stuff. It's almost impossible to be emotionless. Like, we're not actually robots. What you can't do is let that seep into your coverage. So if J.J. Redick, you know, he had some strong words against us earlier in the, in, in the season about how Markel was being covered. If I then took J.J.'s strong words and criticism and let that seep into my coverage, I wouldn't be doing my job. That would be professionally be a very bad move on my part. But by the same token, if I look at Markel Fultz and I say, look, this kid's overcome a lot. This kid has, has done something that I think none of us really grasp everything that's going on, that none of us can really speak for because we don't know exactly how much is affecting him. And I say, man, it's such a great moment. I'm not going to ask him the tough questions now. I'm not doing my job in that instance, too. And a lot of times fans, if we, like, say, go to Brian Colangelo press conference and we don't follow up on him, fans will get honest for not following up on him. Like, why are you not pursuing the truth? But when it's a little more of a, um, you know, empathetic character, somebody that the fans like, then following up and doing your job is seen in a very negative light, like you're, uh, like I said, a, a blood-sucking vampire. But you can't, again, you can't let that impact you. Like my coverage, we, 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 we think a lot about, you know, about credibility. And not just in what you report in the facts, but in what your, your motivations are. And this is a story. It's a story that a lot of fans care about. You, you brought up that, that Kyle Newbeck poll. Okay, 60% right now say they don't care about it. That means 40% of 3,200 do. And that's, a, that's a, a significant portion of the fan base, if that's representative. And I would guess, you know, people that are online following the team every day, they probably care less than maybe a casual fan who's just annoyed that the number one pick missed half the season and don't know all the ins and outs. That means there's a very sizable fan base everywhere that does care. So you have to ask a question. It's, very, it's, it's, it's a question that we would be derelict in our responsibilities if we didn't ask when Markel's back who's never been asked about this injury. It's just it's, – we can't think of it as we're not here to be a PR staff. I'm sorry, and sometimes that's going to lead to some awkward situations. But I don't fault any of the reporters who asked the questions. I would have asked the questions myself, and I I, I don't think that we were in poor taste to ask those questions. I really don't.
0: Yeah. We we certainly haven't liked covering this story. Put that put it that way. Uh but it is what has happened so far.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. never a dull moment. No. No, there's not. Um fifty wins. They have to go seven and two. Percent chance they actually do that.
0: Oh, I'm going high. I'm saying seventy percent.
1: Yeah, I was I was thinking
0: 60-65. Yeah,
1: that's absurd, Rich. I mean, they these games lately haven't even been remotely competitive. Like if the bench doesn't blow a enormous lead against the Pistons, like we're talking about what, four straight blowouts?
0: Yeah, and that game next Friday against Cleveland could just be massive. <laughs> that, that could be for the 3 seed and the difference, although I got to say Washington is uh is starting to slump a little bit, so maybe you would play them in the 3-6 instead of Indiana. Um, or even Boston, fall to 7 with how yeah. many
1: injuries they have. Not that you maybe want to play, fall to 7,
0: but yeah. They'd play the Bucks. but I, I think the the real reason you'd want the 3-seed, though, is because of Boston in the second round. Yep. And, my God, I can't believe I'm saying this. There is a legitimate path <laughs> to the Eastern Conference the Eastern Finals, Conference Finals yeah. where I think I, they'd probably lose. But
1: And it doesn't require two players getting injured like 2012. Yeah. No.
0: It, Although it, I guess it, one of
1: them already did in, in Kyrie, but whatever.
0: Kyrie, but... Ugh,
1: that's it's insane. <laughs> it's it's really insane. And that's why, like I said, it was funny yesterday because I wrote... I got shit because I talked about the, the Sixers' building blocks, or core players, and I included Markel instead of Dario. And they're like, well, how can you include Markel when he hasn't played a game and Dario's out here balling every night? And it's like, because I think Markel's that good. I think he has that much talent. So I got... Shit for singing Markell's praises too much. And then hours later, I got shit because, um, because you relayed a, an instance for Markell because we were mean and asked questions about one of the most perplexing injuries in recent memory. And yeah. it's just – it's the it's way that you're not going to please everyone at this point. Yeah. Like, it's impossible. But we do really think this team is that good. I do really think Markell is that good. And he can, he can become what he is. And I'll tell you what, Rich.
0: I think Dario's pretty good, too.
1: Dario's pretty good, too. He He's turned into a borderline elite role player, which yeah. when you drafted him in 2014, you said, look, a lot of – I think how how does Mike phrase it? He calls it like frumpy lump post-play. It's probably not going to translate at the level it did in the Croatian and then and the uh, Turkish league, so he's going to have to become a knockdown three-point shooter. And for him to do that and be the off-ball threat that he is has been great. The Sixers, if Markelle comes back and is a prospect that we believe – he was when, when we signed off on the trade that they made, and that, frankly, I still think he has the kind of upside to become. This team is going to be very dangerous. I mean, they're right now, I looked it up since January 1st, they have the third best net rating in all of the NBA. And it's not even that, you know, they're behind, I think, Toronto and Houston. They're not even that far behind those guys, Rich. And, yeah, part of that is that the Warriors have had injuries. Part of that. Look when you're talking about the third best in the nBA over a thirty seven game span you're doing a lot right and that was that was my main point This is a team with a lot of upside this year this is a team that right now is playing better basketball than either the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Boston Celtics and this is a team where if Markel becomes what I still think he has the upside to become and if they can go out and attract a free agent or make a trade, I mean this could be fun rich this could be this could be a start. When is the last time the Sixers had a real extended era of winning? It would have to be the early 80s, right, before the Moses trade. Because, yep. I mean, the AI era, like they had one season above 50 wins. Um, that wasn't an extended stretch of dominance by any stretch of the imagination. It was an extended stretch of fun basketball. And, and the rise of that team was prolonged and fun to watch. And as I'm thinking about it now, a lot of our listeners may not have even been around for much of that rise, which – makes me feel really old, but this could be the best era of the sixers basketball it should be the best era of sixers basketball if they make the right decisions and health permitting in thirty plus years rich it's
0: it's quite amazing it's quite amazing yeah there uh, i mean it's and, and to bring it back full circle to Markel, who we talked about for most of this podcast it, it's a really good situation for him to come back into because. There is so much other positive stuff going on where if he uh if he can just play and it doesn't even have to be at the highest level but just you know show some flashes here and there there's so much other positive stuff going on that i you know if he becomes a regular part of the rotation he won't be focused on as much as he was last night
1: no and I mean again I don't want to really go too deep into this again. We already talked about most of it but I think I don't think anybody really expected to get the truth out of Markel, but I think a lot of fans had the expectation when he's back we should get his explanation, his side of the story. And I think last night, more than anything, you wanted to offer him the chance to do that. But the realization that you probably weren't going to focus, like you said, on this too much going forward, because, oh, by the way, this is a team making a playoff run that could challenge for a third seed and win 50 games. And there's just so many positive things to focus on. You almost get this out of the way. Maybe he he, he discusses it. He's a little more open with it in the offseason. And you move on, I think, by just the silent treatment that may not now happen, um, which is, again, why it was was a a bad PR move. But like you said, this is a perfect spot for him. Even playing in a game was a perfect spot to get this done because you had you know, if you have six minutes to talk to him, you're going to spend three of it talking about the game, only three of it to talk about the shoulder in the last few months – Whereas in a practice, you might have had a lot more focus on, on the shoulder. This was really the, the perfect spot for him to kind of diffuse this and put it in the rearview mirror. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But look, bottom line, Markell's made a lot of progress in the last two months, a lot of progress that I wasn't sure he would make in this amount of of, of time. He's back on the court. That's great for him. It could give the team a boost if he's able to get it in the paint the way he did at times last night. And it's a team that's, that's going places going places not only the playoffs, but winning a round is, is is very much in play. Winning two rounds, like you said, if things break right, is not an impossibility. And this is a pretty incredible run. It really, I, I, every time I look at what they've done recently, every time I look at what they've done in the second half of the season, I think I get a little more surprised and startled by it because nobody expected any of this this quickly. Nobody. Yep. All right. I think uh, I think that's probably a good spot. This was meant to be a quick Markell Fultz emergency podcast, which we can't necessarily have as quick of a turnaround as some because we were at the game last night and had to write about it. But thanks for jumping on, Rich. We'll talk to you soon.
0: See you, man. You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on libertyballers.com and libertybroadcast.co.